0: That's cool to hear. So we're going to keep going through the book of Acts. If you guys have um, your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 19. Turn there real quick. And we're going to read verses 1 through 12. And it says, and it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus, and there he found some disciples. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we have not heard that there is a Holy Spirit. By the way, that phrase, they're not saying we have not heard if there's a Holy Spirit that exists. The the phrasing most scholars believe what they're saying is, is we have not heard that he's come yet. That this promise of his coming has happened yet. That's that's most likely what that means, and he said. Oh, I have two microphones. There we go. And he said, "Into what were you baptized?" And they said, "Into John's baptism." Remember, John Baptist baptized in water, and Paul said, "John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him. That is Jesus." On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, and when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying, and there were about 12 men in all. And Luke probably mentions there were 12 of these Gentiles to show that this ministry that started with the apostles was never to end with the apostles. It's just to continue, group after group. And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons uh, that he had touched his skin that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick and their diseases left them and evil spirits came out of them. So what I want to we're going to talk about is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Let's go back to this passage. Just read it one more time. And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. And there he found some disciples. And he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No, we have not heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, Into what then were you baptized? And they said, Into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. So John baptized them for salvation, right? On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, and when Paul laid his hands on him, the Holy Spirit came on them. So when you're looking at this passage, Paul meets this group of disciples, and they're called disciples. You notice in in verse um, verse 1, And he asked, did you get the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now, some scholars will say that they were not believers in Jesus. They were just followers of John the Baptist and his teachings. Other scholars will argue that when Paul says, when you believed, Paul is certainly talking about belief in Jesus, not belief in some other thing. And and these believers were... We're in a similar situation as a guy named Apollos and his story is mentioned in the previous chapter which I didn't read. And in that previous chapter this guy named Apollos, it says in verse 25, he had been instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in spirit he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus. Now here's what it says, though he only knew the baptism of John. So This group of disciples is in a similar situation to this guy named Apollos in the previous chapter. What does it mean? They had a belief in Jesus. They most likely had an experience in Jesus, but it was incomplete. It was limited. They, They had been baptized in water, and repentance just means you turn to God for salvation. As John taught, but they... But they didn't go far enough because John didn't just say, I'm going to baptize you in water. He also prophesied that Jesus was going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. They only, were, they only got half of it. It says in Luke 3.16, John answered them saying, this is John the Baptist, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So Paul asks them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? But what does he really mean by that question? First of all, notice the verb Paul uses. Everybody say receive. Receive. When you look at the Holy Spirit's coming, the verb that is almost always used in response is the verb receive. It's everywhere. I'm just going to give you a couple of quick examples. Acts 2.38, you will what? Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Acts 8.15, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Acts 10.47, who have received the Holy Spirit as we have. 1 Corinthians 2.12, now we have received not a spirit from the, of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. Galatians 3.2, let me ask you only this, did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by the hearing with faith? So what does, when you hear the word receive, what does that imply? What does the word receive imply? Yeah, you take, it's a gift. You just get it, right? To receive something implies it's, it's a gift. The Spirit offers Himself freely. You don't need to earn Him. You can't be good enough, righteous enough, holy enough, or devoted enough to earn God. Go ahead and try. It's not going to work. You receive Him by faith. Faith is just, I believe. I trust. I receive you. Now secondly, it is true. Everyone who believes in Jesus has received the Spirit. That is true. When you believe in Jesus, when you are what's called born again, the Spirit indwells you. The Bible says He regenerates you. He gives you brand new life. You become a new creation. He In this sense, every believer is filled with the Spirit. And there's so many verses that say that. Romans 8, 9. You, however, are not in the flesh but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. Every believer, every person who is saved has the Spirit. 2 Corinthians 3.16, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? 1 John 3.24, and by this we know He abides in us by the Spirit whom He has given us. But there's something else to this. It is one thing to be saved by the Spirit, right? It's another thing to be empowered by by the Spirit. You're saved by the Spirit and you get eternal life. But there's this other group of verses that talk about being empowered by the Spirit so that you can proclaim and demonstrate and show that power so that you can minister to others. And often you find this idea of not just being filled with the Spirit and being born again, but being empowered by the Spirit for ministry, for miracles. One example, Romans fifteen nineteen, By the power of signs and wonders. How? By the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Elycrium, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. So in the book of Acts, here's what happens. Sometimes... Groups are saved and empowered by the Spirit at the exact same time. It happens simultaneously. Sometimes it doesn't happen simultaneously. It happens at two different occasions or multiple occasions. Let me give you some examples of where it did not happen simultaneously. The 12 disciples... They were already saved. In John 15, Jesus looked at the 12 disciples and said, you are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. You're already forgiven. You're already saved. But to the same group who already believed in Jesus in Acts 1, he says, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, wait a minute. Aren't they already saved? In verse 8, but you will, and here's Jesus says, well, now I'm going to clarify. What do I mean by that? You will receive what? Power. Power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. He's talking about for ministry. And and when you see this word baptized in verse 4, in the book of Acts, the word baptized and the word filled are interchangeable. Interchangeable. Let me let me for instance, he says Acts 1 4, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. When it actually happens, Luke uses the word verb filled. Acts 2, 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. This filling with the Holy Spirit, for ministry, for power, for this group of disciples was not just a one-time event either. When you look in the book of Acts, it kept happening over and over, again and again. For instance, two chapters later in Acts 4, verse 30 to 31, they are in a prayer meeting, and what did they pray? Stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And it says, and when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. This is the same group from Acts 2 that was filled with the Holy Spirit. There's another group. There were a bunch of believers in Samaria, a guy named Philip went and preached about Jesus, the gospel, the good news. And it says in Acts 8, 12, and when they believed Philip as he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. They were believers, right? They were saved. But what do you read two verses later? Now, when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John who came down and prayed for them, why? That they might what? Receive the Holy Spirit, for he had not yet fallen on any of them. And they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They were saved, now they needed to be empowered. In verse 17, then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense to you guys? So what happens in Acts nineteen? These disciples had already believed in Jesus. Now, they would be empowered by the Spirit. But how did that happen? Let's look at it, verse six. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began to speak in tongues, and prophes- they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. So what did Paul do to them? What what did Paul do? What does it say he did? He what? He laid his hands on them. And what you find is often in the Gospels, in the book of Acts, and talked about in the epistles, Paul's letters, often... The Spirit is imparted, this power is imparted through the laying on of hands. For instance, Acts 8.17, when they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Acts 9.17, the next chapter over. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and what does it say? And laying his hands on him. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and what? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. First Timothy one six, Paul says to Timothy, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through what? The laying on of my hands you might say, well, why does it matter? You've got this person here who is filled with the Spirit to lay his hands on someone else so that they can be filled with the Spirit. Why does it, why does it matter if you lay on of hands? And, and it, it's the way that God has set things up. Often, the Spirit and the gifts, it's not like they just drop out of heaven onto somebody. God just, He could do it like that, and He has done it like that, but not always. Often God chooses to give grace, to give power, not from Him to this person, but through somebody to this person. It's the way God sets it up. Through God's people to others. And and it's interesting, in in the same chapter in verse 11, a few verses later, it said, and God was doing extraordinary miracles. How? How? Say it out loud. By the hands of Paul. Paul. Well, God could just decide, you know, this person prays for his deaf ears to be open, and God says, okay, I'm going to open them. Boom. God could do that, and he does do that. But in this example, God's saying, "Up, oh, Paul, get over there and lay your hands on his deaf ears. And who's doing the miracles? And, and who's the subject doing the extraordinary miracles? Who is it? It's not Paul. How is he doing the miracles? By the hands of Paul. You see that? And even beyond that, this supernatural power wasn't just coming through Paul's hands. It was coming through physical objects that Paul's skin was touching. So that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick and their diseases left them and the Holy Spirit came came out of them. Do you understand? God was intentionally... Wanting to connect his power, in this example, to Paul. To Paul's hands or to something Paul touched. You matter to God. Does that make sense? Now, when the Spirit came on them, what happened? What gifts did the Spirit give? Let's look at this. Verses 5 to 7. And on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul has laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying there were about 12 men in all. So what are the two gifts in this example that they were given? What's one gift? Speaking in what? Tongues. What's another gift? Prophesying. This is the third time in the book of Acts that when the Holy Spirit came, people spoke in tongues. Not every time, but this is the third time in the book of Acts we see this. Acts chapter 2 verse 4, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. What's interesting is they began to speak in other tongues. They did the speaking. "...as the Spirit gave them the words." So the Spirit gave the words or the sounds, and they had to open their mouths and speak those words or sounds. You guys see that? Acts 10, to 46 "...while Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised, the Jews who had come with Peter, were amazed." Because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. And the Gentiles hadn't kept any laws. Does that make sense? For, now, how did, it, it says, for they were hearing them, what? Speaking in tongues and extolling God. Now, teaching and preaching, what we're doing right now, I am talking about God. Speaking in tongues and prophesying, you are speaking for God. You see the difference? And it's supernatural communication, it's declaring what the Holy Spirit is saying. It's not just natural language or natural words. Tongues is a language that the speaker does not understand. Now, that could be another human language. I, I, there was a, a group called Youth with a Mission. They had a team in Nepal. They were in a, 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 one of those far off villages in the Himalayan region where white people and Westerners and things don't go. And they were at a village praying, leading these Nepalese to the Lord, and then praying with them to receive the Spirit. One of the little Nepali children, when he received the Spirit, got the gift of tongues. Guess what language he spoke in? English. Wow. With an American accent. This team were British. Now, nobody spoke English in this village. This was all, they were using translators. And I have heard so many stories like that all around the world. Many places around the world. And sometimes it's, often it's not another human language. It's an angelic language or a divine language. Paul said, 1 Corinthians 13.1, If I speak in the tongues of men and of What? Angels, those aren't human languages. First Corinthians 14:2. For one who speaks in his tongue speaks not to men but to God, for no one understands him. It's in, it's in a language that's not understandable. He utters mysteries in the spirit. So speaking in tongues is where the Spirit of God gives you a language that you can use to praise, to pray. Sometimes That message is for the church if somebody interprets it. And that's another gift of the Holy Spirit, the interpretation, which might be the person who's speaking gets an interpretation or somebody else gets the interpretation. And then what about prophecy? While tongues is in a language people do not understand, the speaker doesn't understand, prophecy is in a language everybody does understand. You're going to prophesy in English or in Spanish or whatever your language is. And what is that? It's sharing a vision, a dream, or a message from God. You can prophesy to an individual. You can prophesy to a group. Some people will prophesy to cities, some people to nations. Right? Remember, Jonah walks into the city of Nineveh. He says, You guys have 40 days left, and God's going to judge you. Right? They believed that, that was a real word from God. How do we know they believed that? They repented, they fasted, actually. And the animals, they repented and they said, God, we want to turn to you. If you're going to judge us for our wickedness, then we want to turn to you to forgive us. Did his prophecy come to pass? No. Was it a false prophecy? No. Some prophecies are conditional. God says, I am going to do this, but there's often an if, right? But that was not a prophecy to an individual or even to a a, a local group. That was a prophecy to the whole city of Nineveh. And there are prophecies to nations. I remember um, one of the guys, Lou Engel, this minister that I worked with, is... He was, somebody had a dream one night and in the dream they saw, you know the Hollywood Hollywood sign? And in the dream God grabbed one of the L's and removed it and above the Hollywood sign there's a farther mountain beyond it, Mount Wilson. And God took the L out of the Hollywood sign and he put it, with the on, on Mount Wil, on Wilson to make it W I L L, so Hollywood becomes Hollywood, and Wilson becomes the Will of the Sun, in the dream. I literally read that. Yeah, I literally read that. oh, you did. Yeah. And 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 this person tells Lou the dream and says, "I think God wants to make Hollywood Hollywood, and He wants the city to the Will of the Sun." The next day, somebody that knew Lou Engel was, that lived in Washington, D.C., calls Lou on the phone and says, Lou, I know this is going to sound strange, but this morning for breakfast, my daughter at the breakfast table s- said to us that the Lord spoke to her and said, Hollywood is going to become Hollywood. Hollywood. And he said when he heard it, he felt like it was a prophecy because Lou was living in Southern California. He calls Lou and tells him what his daughter said. Well, this person had no idea at all about the dream that was shared. And so often what you do with a prophecy is you pray it. When Daniel was given a prophecy, right, and if you read Daniel a prophecy about 70 years are over and Israel's going to be rescued from her captivity. Daniel said, I took Jeremiah's prophecy and I went on a 21-day fast and I prayed for it to happen. He didn't just wait for it to happen, he prayed for it to happen. So Lou's got these two confirming words. So he gathered, it was, he was living in Pasadena, it was a vineyard church in Pasadena, at the time, and then they ended up leaving the vineyard later, and they prayed that God would turn Hollywood into Hollywood. And they prayed it for seven years. And then Lou was invited to go to speak at an African American church in L.A. And, and when he was preparing, when he was literally he was when he was preparing his message, the Lord told him, share the Hollywood prophecy, the Hollywood prophecy to the church and encourage them to pray. So he's walking up into the sanctuary, getting ready to go on the stage, and a lady walks up to him with a magazine, I don't remember if it was Entertainment Weekly or People magazine, and hands it to Lou and says, have you seen the article? And he goes, what article? Now, this lady didn't know what he was going to share. He opens it up, and the title of the article was Hollywood Has Become Hollywood. And it was about Mel Gibson's movie, The Passion. And Lou grabbed the, he was so encouraged, and he grabbed the article, he read Later on when he read the article that Mel Gibson said that seven years earlier the idea was dropped into his mind and heart and it took seven years to bring it to fruition. And that movie overtook the theaters and the earth. I took 15 people from my work, non-Christians, to see the movie. They cried through the whole thing. You know? I think that movie broke the door open for a lot. A lot of other movies. It's true. It made over a billion dollars. But do you understand what prophecy? Now that prophecy was for the city of Hollywood. Right? And prophecies include supernatural information. It's not information that you learn by natural means. Right? It's information you could not know by natural means. It, prophecies are communicating revelation from God, not just something you learn from something, somebody else. Here's an example, 1 Corinthians 14, 24 to 25. But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he's convicted by all. He's called to account by all. Why? The secrets of his heart are disclosed. And so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. What does that mean, the secrets? It means they were prophesying and they shared information to this person about his life. There's no way that group could have known unless God told them. No way. Right? I remember one time I was so mad at God, my life was not going the way I wanted it to, and I said, it was a Saturday night, and I said, God, it's not fair. You won't let me do what you wired me for. The next day I'm at the Anaheim Vineyard and a man named Bobby Morrison walks up to me and says, last night I had a dream about you. And he said, in the dream you were in a hallway, which means you're in a place of transition. You're not where you were and you're not where you're going to be. And he said, and the Lord spoke to me in the dream and said, tell Sam that he's going to do what I've wired him for. (laughs) There's no way that he knew I I prayed that the night before. That's divine revelation. That's why with prophecy, it's important. Sometimes when people prophesy, what they're doing is they're, they're just associating. You know what I mean? They see somebody, they make an association, and they say it's a word from God. And it's okay, but you want, we want divine revelation, right? Revelation. Revelation. Can I read you something, and then, and then we're going we're gonna to do something, and we'll finish with something else. But this book, Power Encounters, is about all how the vineyard began. And there's a lady named Jackie Pullinger who ministered from the late 60s in Hong Kong. I actually visited her. Um, when was that, Brooke? 2014, I think. I was in Hong Kong, and I visited her, and she they had massive, um, almost like little cities full of addicts, heroin addicts, that, had, that recover. And the way that they recover from heroin and drug addictions, and at that point, gaming addictions were, they were having a lot of people coming in for gaming addictions and alcoholism, is they pray in tongues with them night and day for days, and she says, our addicts Recover with no withdrawals. And she says, we've been doing it for 40 years or 50 years. But how did she start? Listen to this. It was, she. so she goes, in 1966, she goes from England to the Walled City in Hong Kong. And she describes the Walled City. By the way, the way she ended up there is the Lord said, get on a cruise ship. And the Lord said, I'll tell you when to get off. And so she took a round-the-world cruise ship, and it was at Hong Kong, the Lord, she's 16 years old. 16 or 18? 18 years old. Oh, yeah, it was 1966, she was 18 years old. And And it was in Hong Kong, the Lord said, get off. She didn't know anybody, and she didn't speak the language. It was all, it was soon all too obvious that I needed to find out about power from God's Spirit, However, for he led me to a city of utmost horror and depravity. The walled city within Kowloon was the name for a giant slum of nearly, nearly sixty thousand people crammed into six acres of land. There was no official water or electricity supply. Stinking open sewer lines lined sewers lined the dark alleys. Gangs similar to the mafia ruled the area's brothels and drugs and gambling dens. The condition of the people was appalling. I knew many were sick and dying, both spiritually and physically. At one time, the bodies of the addicts who had died in the night were piled beside the walled city's only toilet for collection in the morning. Simply mouthing words like, Jesus loves you, no longer seemed appropriate when trying to show these heroin addicts, gangsters, diseased street sleepers, and 60-year-old prostitutes the heart of God they never heard of. I wanted something real. I saw that if I believed the Bible as I had been taught, I should be able to heal the sick instead of handing them tracts and see addicts delivered instead of merely referring them to clinics. I wanted to do as Jesus did. Now listen to this. This was the turning point for Jackie Pullinger. They've got it, I thought. I knew I found it, "'when I met a young Chinese couple near the walled city "'who shone with God's presence. "'But judging from our first words, you wouldn't have known it. "'We had quite an argument. "'You haven't got the Holy Spirit,' they said. "'Oh, yes, I have,' I replied, confident I was right, "'because I asked for the Spirit "'and knew that you got what you asked for. "'No, you haven't,' they continued. "'Oh, yes, I have,' I countered. "'I was right.' How else could I believe in Jesus if I didn't have the Spirit? I knew I was right. We went on arguing. I knew I was right. Actually, I was right. But the fact remained that I could see that this couple had something I didn't. And I realized that I was arguing all about the semantics. Whether it was a, quote, baptism of the Holy Spirit or outpouring of or the gift of, the infilling of, the fullness of, the power of, I no longer cared. Dear Lord, I prayed silently, if you have anything from your spirit that will help me to make you real to people, please give it to me, and I'll decide what to call it later. (laughs) So I visited this couple's home. They laid their hands on me and prayed, telling me to open my mouth and I would speak in a new language. Of course I longed for this gift. I thought it would be wonderful to be able to pray all the things I couldn't express in my own words. I just wasn't going to do it when they told me. God would do it, wouldn't he? If he wanted me to have it, I kept my mouth shut. Nothing happened. Finally, because I was hot, sticking to the chair, and feeling sorry for the couple because they had expected me to perform, I opened my mouth to ask God's help and immediately began speaking in a new language. I knew it was from God. My oboe-tonguing technique, she had a musical degree, had never been good, for my tongue to have moved so fast had to be God's doing. My only emotion that day was embarrassment. Thank God I said they weren't British. Sorry, guys. (laughs) Then I ran for the door while the poor couple were trying to tell me that now I could expect other gifts like healing, prophecy, discernment of spirits, and so on. Thank you so much, I said, and went home to wait. Nothing happened. I tried to pray in tongues, but it didn't make me feel close to God. It didn't make me feel anything, really. So I stopped. What a disappointment. I thought that this experience would change everything, but I seemed no nearer to Jesus. I wasn't healing the sick or leading people to Christ. I just worked and worked with everything I had, day and night, hoping to show a dying and desperate people God's love. I gave them food, found them homes, and clothed them. They were impressed, but not changed. They recognized Jesus, but were not converted. If only it were true, I thought that receiving of the power of the Holy Spirit would change everything. It was not until the following year, 1968, that I met an American couple who straightaway asked if I prayed in tongues. I replied that I didn't, Because I thought maybe I had received the wrong thing when I prayed with the Chinese couple. Everyone else I had read about had felt wonderful. They, quote, bathed in love, quote, lifted up to a mountain, quote, floating on a cloud, and so on. You're very rude to God, said my friends. Whatever made you mistake the gift of the Spirit for the gift of emotion? You're a good evangelical. The Bible says if you speak in tongues, you will grow spiritually. It doesn't say you will feel spiritual. You asked for power to preach the gospel. Now get on and use it, and they made me. By the clock, I prayed 15 minutes a day in the language of the Spirit and still felt nothing as I asked the Spirit to help me intercede for those he wanted to reach. After about six weeks of this, I began to lead people to Jesus without trying. Gangsters fell to their knees sobbing in the streets. Women were healed. Heroin addicts were miraculously set free. And I knew it all had nothing to do with me. It was a setup. As I prayed in the spirit... In a mysterious way, God led me to the right person in the right place at the right time. All I had to say were the words. They were so ready. Whatever I said, they heard and saw Jesus. Then I was filled with emotion. Receiving and using of the power of the Spirit has been like that for me. Usually I have no feeling at all receiving and using the gifts. But I see them help others, I am deeply moved. With my friends, I began to learn about the other gifts of the Spirit, and we experienced a remarkable few years of ministry. Scores of gangsters and well to do people, students, and church people were converted, all received a new language to pray in private and other gifts to use when meeting together. We opened several homes to house heroin addicts, and all were delivered from drugs painlessly, without any withdrawals, because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Did you guys hear the story I just read? Here's what we're going to do. This last week, we did a three-day fast. You might say, man, Sam, I missed it. Well, do a three-day fast this week. The Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5 and 6 is the constitution of the kingdom. It's the way you live in the kingdom. It talks about praying, fasting, forgiving, giving your money. Jesus said this is literally how you live In California, you live a certain way. In the kingdom of God, you live a certain way. What are we gonna do? For 10 minutes a day for the next two weeks, and I want you to make this the most important 10 minutes of your whole 24 hour day. You need to fight for it. The devil is real, demons are real. Life is hard, and everything will try to snuff out these 10 minutes. You need to protect it. And what do you do for 10 minutes? Pray in the Spirit in tongues. You pray in the Spirit for 10 minutes. You might say, well, Sam, I don't have the gift of tongues yet. Then pray in English for 10 minutes and ask the Holy Spirit to fill you. And do it every day for 10 minutes For two weeks. October 31st. Might as well start on Halloween. And go through November 13. And you make that 10 minutes central to your life. You pray in tongues or you ask the Holy Spirit to fill you. Do you understand what you are doing? You are saying... I have lived my life on my own for years. It doesn't work that well. Holy Spirit, your life. Start living through my life. Fill me. You need a new language? You need new thoughts? You need him? You need new emotions? You need new motivations? Then get it from him. And then what we're going to do, we'll do it this week, and we'll also do it the following week, but this week we're going to gather together online. It's called Google Meet. You can email info at vineyardyourbelinda.com and say, ask Stephanie. Stephanie, raise your hand. hand. Say, Stephanie, add me to the email list. And we're going to send the link on Thursday afternoon for you to join. And then at 7 o'clock we're all going to have our faces like in COVID. On the, on the screen, and we're going to wait on the Spirit together for an hour on Thursday. We're And, and we'll also do it the following Thursday. You can do it dreaming. You can be in a car, just put it on your phone, and while you're driving, wait in the Spirit with us. Ephesians 6.18, praying at all times. Everyone say it out loud. What are the next three words? Say it out loud. In the Spirit. For us, all times is going to be 10 minutes a day. Jude 20, but you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith. How do you build yourself up? How do we build this church up? Everyone say it. Praying in the Holy Spirit. This is really, it's, it's both important and it's strategic. And just do it like Nike, right? I don't care if you don't feel anything. It doesn't. And that's what Jackie Pollinger said. You, if you, off my experience in life is take the actions first and the feelings follow later. The people have it wrong. They wait for the feelings to take an action. Most of life doesn't work like that. You take the actions first and the feelings follow later. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to ask, we're going to finish this morning, we're going to ask for those of you that want to be filled with the Spirit and if you want to pray in the gift of tongues or to prophesy, we're going to do what Paul did. We're going to lay hands on you. And that just means you throw a hand on his shoulder and you say, God, the grace that he's given to me or to others, we're going to pray that it gets imparted, it gets transferred to you. Right? Let's go ahead and stand up. This is for the kids too. I got, I got, I received the gift of tongues. I don't, I was young. I was just a little kid. I don't know, seven, eight, nine, I have no idea. I was really cute. And I was in my bedroom at night, and uh, I was attacked by demons. With my eyes wide open, I was looking at the walls in my bedroom, and the walls transformed into the faces of demonic creatures And I was terrified, and I started screaming. My mom runs into the room, and I said, I'm crying, there's demons in my room. I can see them with my eyes open all over my walls. She said, well, let's pray. She didn't talk with me about the gift of tongues. She just said, let's pray and ask Jesus to rebuke, to drive out these evil spirits out of your room. Well, when we started praying... I was six, I started speaking in tongues. I'd never done that before. And as I spoke in tongues, these demons left my room and the Spirit of God began filling me like waves. And I I never forgot, there was actually, for me, when I speak in tongues, there's actually a spiritual warfare element to it. And Ephesians 6 what is the whole context of this chapter? You wrestle against evil spirits and throw them down. Right? And he culminates with praying at all times in the spirit. That Jackie Pullinger says, they, I, I, she, would show, she was showing me the rooms, me and this pastor named Mike Hudgens. These are the rooms where the addicts spend the first 72 hours, and they have two people, and they pray in tongues over each addict without stopping and shifts for 72 hours to break the power of the addiction and to cast out the evil spirits. And they have no withdrawals. Pain-free heroin from cocaine, from heroin, meth, all of it. Yeah. That's fantastic. That's really good. Holy Spirit, we invite you right now. Just that you would just... We want to be filled with you. And we want you to give us new languages, the gift of tongues. We want you to give us prophecies, dreams and visions and messages. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would baptize us, that you would fill us, you would empower us. We are asking for the power of the Holy Spirit. We need need your power, Lord, just to live our life, and we need your power to minister to others, to reach out to others. So we just ask for you right now. Receive the Holy Spirit. Now, Some of you, when I'm sharing, you're thinking, man, I know for me this morning, I really want that. Now remember, maybe for the first time, maybe you've never spoken in the gift of tongues. Maybe you've never prophesied. Maybe you've never experienced power. Right? Or maybe you have a thousand times, but you've your cup's a little low (laughs) right remember the same disciples were filled lots of times and so what i'd like you to do in, in in just a second i'm gonna ask you to come forward and to line up and this is for some of the kids too some of the kids you guys you guys can get tongues and get prophecy as well but what i want you to line up and then if and then for those of you that in the past you have spoken in tongues or you have prophesied or have then you I want you to come up and we're going to lay hands on it's it's important this isn't just a uh, uh, just a this is it's imp- important we want to do what they did in acts we're going to lay hands on each other and say receive the holy spirit and the gifts of the holy spirit so if you want just just step forward and just line up right here for those of you that want this. Just step forward. Just line up right here. Just line up right here. Just want to wait a second and just, uh, yeah, we could just make a line going all the way down here. I want to be... Okay, so for others of you where you have spoken in tongues, you have prophesied or have been filled with the Spirit, I want you to come up and maybe let's have maybe uh, two people to each person. And I want you to lay hands on them. And what and what and what is it you're going to do? You're going to just say, fill them up, Holy Spirit. Baptize them. And... And, and ask them if they've never received the gift of tongues. We need a couple more people. Let's, let's get two people for each. If we can do that, do we have enough? If not, one person for each. I just want to make sure everybody is going to have their... is. Right here. And you can even ask them to, Just say, as you ask them to be filled with the Spirit, say, have you ever spoken in tongues? Do you want to pray for that right now? And then just wait for the Spirit to put sounds in your mind, uh, melodies in your mind to begin to speak. But, but you can ask them, have you received the gift of tongues? And, and pray for that to happen. So I want to make sure you, you enter, at some point you interview them as well. You ask them. Have you prophesied? Ask them. Have you ever prophesied? Ever had a dream or a vision? And and, and pray for that. So right now, Holy Spirit, fill right now. Fill them in Jesus' name. Let the fire of God rest on you right now. The presence and the glory and the power of the Holy Spirit right now. The Lord is going to light you up. Like a flame. Come, Holy Spirit, we pray. Yes, God. Release now tongues and prophecy and the gifts of the Holy Spirit.